0: Welcome to the I Created That podcast. On this podcast, you can expect fun, laughter, inspiration, and some amazing tips to help you learn more about business, marketing, and Shopify. I'm your host, Sarah Jansel, a former 20-year corporate veteran and executive turned creative entrepreneur. Today, I'm the CEO of my own company, Jansel & Co., where we help clients build, brand, and grow awesome Shopify stores. I'll be hosting some of my favorite guests on the show to share some exclusive tips about how to start a business, grow a business, and feature some super cool entrepreneurs and business partners who can help you do it too. Let's get started. Welcome to the I Created That podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jansel, and today we have a very special guest. I am excited to introduce you to Veronica Cleary. So, Veronica is an award winning publicist and the founder and CEO of Cleary Strategies, a full service public relations agency. Cleary Strategies provides public relations, media placements, and crisis management to leaders and corporations. And their strategies, uh, Cleary Strategies clients can be seen in broadcasts, her on podcasts, in radio, and also found in digital and print. So basically all the places. So welcome to the show, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here as well. I feel like there's lots that we can dive into. And I know we were chatting before we got on here about you know the audience being sort of more e-com based. but we have both product and service um, based, but Shopify is primarily the platform that people are listening to on this podcast. And so I know that PR can be something, and I know we're gonna talk about affiliates today too, uh, it can be something that people are thinking about but maybe don't know a whole lot about or are trying to figure out when they should be getting into that. So I'm excited to kind of dive into all of the above today.
1: (laughs) No, there are so many aspects of public relations and there are so many people who fall under the umbrella of public relations that could say they do PR. So it can be very intimidating. It's often an expensive and big investment. And so I like to have conversations like this where we're not trying to make a sale and we just want to be informative so that we can help people make the right decision. Because what happens is, is Sometimes people make the wrong decision and then they get burnt and then they don't then they get nervous to find the right publicist or they don't know the questions asked. So we 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 also like clean up messes, I feel, you know, like because we'll get somebody said, I spent all this money and nothing happened or Mm -hmm. the results, were nothing like I wanted. So I want to answer those questions. So look, public relations, for the most part, we are for the for the things that your clients are looking for i'm assuming they're not in the midst of crises or bad press or any of those things of course a pr professional can handle that but in a perfect world when things are good and you're just trying to get coverage we work in the world of earned media and Mm -hmm. sometimes we throw that around and i don't think people really know what that means the idea is we help our clients earn media attention or coverage for whatever their product or service or expertise is. And you compare that to the idea of paid media or advertising. So that is the distinct, that is the factor that kind of differentiates us from your marketing team or your marketing budget, or you're somebody that you're doing paid ads with. We want you to get coverage because we think editorially, or we help you do this, you deserve to earn that coverage for whatever cool product you've created or service you offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I can totally relate to that because we get a lot of clients that come to us as well. And it's like, they've spent all this money and we're like, oh boy. Right. So <laughs> I definitely feel you on that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, people yeah. feel like they're well-informed consumers and that they find the right PR agency. Because I mean, I have plenty of friends in PR and we are all publicists and we re- we refer each other clients, because maybe we're not the right fit for that type of PR that that person needs. So it's about finding, being transparent, and also just like finding resources that are going to be honest with you. Um, But that can be hard. And we're all out there trying to do our best. And sometimes you just make a mistake. But yes, that that is kind of the thing that I think most of your listeners would be thinking, okay, well, what would I earn coverage for? Or what What am I doing that's newsworthy or interesting or makes my product newsworthy or interesting versus the next guy? And like, how did they do that? And so we like to think of ourselves as the experts in sort of navigating that space on your behalf. We'll help you figure out what's interesting or newsworthy about your product. We kind of know the places that might cover it. And we know how to present you in front of them to get that coverage that you didn't pay for. Ironically, you pay us to help you get that coverage you didn't pay for, but- it's complicated to know it all and how to do it all yourself. That's okay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like, that's not anything to feel like you should know that you shouldn't, you should know your product and your business. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree.
0: Well, maybe we can catch up a little bit on sort of how you got into the PR space and what drove you to doing this as your, you know, passion and your living.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you. So it was so unexpected. I had never planned to become a publicist. I don't have a background in PR, the PR world. I was a television journalist. I left TV for multiple reasons and I started Cleary Strategies. And the reason I say it's not called Cleary Public Relations is because I didn't really know we were going to be a PR firm. It was very accidental. I thought we would provide like a variety of. Sort of broad based communications support. I really thought I'd be doing more writing and thinking through the comm strategy and even crisis because I covered politics. I was a White House correspondent. So I actually were very good and versed in helping our clients that are going through potentially bad press or planning for that because if you've covered politics, you really know how journalists think and the like the mind of a journalist when they're covering a bad headline or story. So that is something we do very well. And that's kind of what I thought I'd do mostly, but little by little, people would just come to me and say, well, you've been on TV or you are on TV. Like how do can you get my product on TV? Can we be, or how do I get in a gift guide or whatever? The gift guides came later. I really had to learn that. I know we're going to talk a little bit about affiliate marketing and it's funny. It's called affiliate marketing, but it's a PR tool. That's, Mm. I don't know, that's where lingo gets confusing and you don't know who you're hiring. But my point is, I realized that what I thought would be a small piece of the pie, doing some bookings, helping people with some media, just slowly became the whole pie. Because that's, you know, you have to listen to your clients and your clients sometimes dictate and redirect your business. And we were delivering and I liked it. You know, so what it was funny, Mm. I was so surprised how much I enjoyed and really like got high off of it. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but when we would place an op-ed or get a client a feature or something, I was on cloud nine. I didn't expect that. And I thought, well, we're good at this. And I really like it. And so the business just transformed. And I remember one day I was like, I think I'm a publicist. Like, how did that happen? And why is my business called Cleary Strategies? And no one knows what that means, but we're in it now. We're committed. Like, it's it's full on. But but it was really an accidental, uh, thing. And it really fits now it fits and it's where we are going forward for the foreseeable future. I don't see any change or redirection from that.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And I feel like, oh my gosh, what a ton you would have learned (laughs) from your history as well. (laughs) And even pulling people out of bed, just like what to take away from that for the good too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you know, it's not bad. Like it, Well, I mean, when you're the journalist, you're kind of the one with the power, if you will. So the position that I was previously in was in a way like the position of power. You're asking the questions. Of course, you know, you're still dependent on the news source to accept your interview request, But once they do, you know, you're deciding the questions. You can throw in gotcha questions and try to like, you know, it's. And so I like to think that when we work with clients going through that or maybe they're just building a crisis plan to anticipate that, I like to help them realize that if you know where the journalist is coming from, you can have power too. You don't have to be mm-hmm. the victim or kind of at the mercy of what the journalist says or does. Um but having a little insight into how they think can really help you better do that and feel that because you know, really for even for any of your clients, they don't anybody can have a bad headline or go through bad press or have a mistake or a product that is recalled or what. I mean, there's like a million reasons you can have a negative headline. Um, we tend to think of it, I think more with these like big name politicians or movie stars or things like that. But really at any level, it doesn't hurt to think through, Oh, what could I get bad press for? How would I handle that? Who would speak on behalf of my company? Who would be the decision maker? Some of the biggest reasons people do a or companies do a bad job in a negative crisis scenario is just because they don't have those questions answered before the crisis hits. And then it hits and you're fighting and arguing internally and you don't have a clear plan in place. And then you didn't even get to responding to the bad headline yet because you're arguing over who's supposed to release the, the comment or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. So that's why it doesn't hurt. No matter where you are to stop, whether it's with an expert or just with your team or your leadership and say, you know, what would we do and how would we plan this and who would answer those questions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so valuable. I've been in those companies where we actually did have pre-plans and things like that. And, you know, it feels a little awkward where you're kind of like trying to, you know, map out what could be, but at the same time, like, you know, what a peace of mind <laughs> for right. that. So we're,
1: we're never yeah. going to get the exact scenario, right? Cause yeah. like, well, that's crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. Fine. But you, you will still kind of have, have had the conversations. A systems in place, sure. Maybe the details and nuance are different, but it is a you are co- you are then coming in in a position of power versus the journalist or the reporters having all the power. You want to balance that out a little bit, and you do that with some planning.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think Cleary strategies. I'm like, there is a lot of strategy that goes into PR, so I'm like, there's a good spin there. I think I know. For
1: sure. it is <laughs> I leaning into it and like owning it, I just feel like you know, until we have a bigger name, you know, cause a lot of the big PR agencies, they don't say public relations. They just, people just like by oh name. So we're getting, we're getting there and we work very hard to, you know, build our brand and presence as well. We now do PR for ourselves, which like so nice to be here and talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Walk in
0: the talk right here. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know earlier you mentioned, um, there's some differences in lingo. So maybe let's talk about affiliate marketing because in the e-com world, when we think about affiliate marketing, it's like links and like having people maybe sell on our behalf and things like that. But I know you feel affiliate marketing and PR are really something that work hand in hand and something that e-commerce businesses should
1: consider. So I'm excited to hear more about this. (laughs) Right. And, you know, we could probably, like all the things you're describing, they're not really things that we do, right? Now there's crossover in the tools that you would use in your e-commerce affiliate marketing strategy that we would also need and rely on in your affiliate Mm. PR strategy. Right. But I mean, maybe we just get lazy and we call it affiliate marketing and that's where it's confusing. But basically the world that we live in today, especially post COVID, if you want any sort of digital coverage for any sort of product that you may have, you must be available through an affiliate. Like it's just not even a question. And the thing that can be frustrating sometimes, now your listeners, I think are more sophisticated. Maybe they're already on sale or Skimlinks, or they understand this conversation for all the marketing needs that they have. So for them, if they come to a publicist and I say, oh, are you on sale? Are you on Skimlinks? Oh yes, I am. I, I make this investment for... X, Y, and Z purposes, and oh, how great. Now I get the PR benefit of it. The hard part, I think, sometimes, is when we have a conversation with somebody that is not on any sort of affiliate. So they're making the investment for the first time just for their public relations goals. And that's mm-hmm. where it can be challenging, because it's expensive, right? I mean, it's expensive to get on share a sale. Um, I think the last it's $700 or something, and then so much money per month. And then you're connecting to skim links, you're giving commissions. I mean, it's, it is not a good fitting tool if you don't have wide enough margins to afford these types of costs. But if you want any sort of digital coverage, you will not be considered if you're not on affiliate. The thing, the nuance and the detail is that it doesn't guarantee the coverage, and that's where the people who are like, oh, I'm only spending this money just for my PR strategy, they can feel discouraged because it doesn't mean you'll get in the next gift guide or the next coverage or feature or whatever it may be. It just means you're not even going to be given a passing glance if we can't at least offer that option. And so does that answer the question a little bit? I mean, I'm sure yeah. that's a lot of to discuss, but you can see how if you don't use it for all the marketing strategies you mentioned and then you just make this big investment for PR and you maybe get like two gift guides or something and you think, well, but you wouldn't have even gotten those. So it's it, it's nice when the affiliate strategy is part of a bigger, not just for your PR, it's part of a bigger marketing strategy. But you shouldn't necessarily expect your publicist to manage all of those like marketing details that you're mentioning when they're managing your affiliate pitching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I have, we actually uh, had someone on that was talking specifically about gift guides. So I feel like there was a lot of interesting conversation around some of these affiliate links and like getting in there and like having that be a part of the strategy and why you should have that set up. And I mean, all- Ultimately, you're going to want to have an affiliate strategy anyways, because that's how you're going to grow your audience if you want to be doing that, you know, somewhat more organically than just doing ads and things like that. So I think it's really important to be thinking about that. And I think your point is, it's not just like it's standalone thing, like it's going to need to be all encompassing in like PR in your business, like in your marketing strategy, like all the things, right?
1: If you want like your full PR strategy. I mean, and this is where the investment can be frustrating, but this, this is why it's so important to be able to have that affiliate strategy go beyond your PR. Um, we don't need affiliate links for most TV placements, uh, Mm. podcast, maybe it's a, a coupon code or something. It's a little, it's a little different. Like you don't necessarily need to make the investment into uh, skim links or share a sale to, to offer like a coupon code to your listeners. Right. And so it understanding that that's just one little piece of helping you earn coverage. It just, it just helps you to be considered. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of gets you in the room, gets you past the first decision maker to be considered. But like I said, if I put that there was an affiliate option for most TV stations, They would say like, what do I need that for? Every, every, so I've noticed like on some national programming, there'll be a QR code on the Mm. screen. So you can, TV is sort of dipping its toe in that space, but I think it will be a while. That doesn't mean it won't ever matter. And that's why it's good for us because as an agency, we see our differentiating factors that we're so good at placing our clients on TV. But if Mm -hmm. I didn't know about all this affiliate PR and understand how to navigate the digital space for our clients, number one, I would not be doing them a full service. And then number two, I think it's, everything is changing constantly. And eventually we'll see affiliate in TV fully integrated might not be Mm -hmm. today or tomorrow, but I like to think we'll just be that much farther ahead of the game, further in the game than the next guy or girl or whatever. If we're, just understanding it, seeing it, learning it, growing and getting better at it every day and kind of like watching it slowly infiltrate.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. The difference, right. Between kind of like print and media and digital and all the things. It's um, all the things yeah. things so different. Like the pitch. it's
1: just night. Nice. It's just wild. It's really wild.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. All the more reason why you need Veronica in your life to help you Mm -hmm. navigate (laughs) these waters. So, um, okay. So I would love to get your opinion on when you think brands should be ready for this affiliate and peer marketing. Like when should they be tipping their toe
1: into this? Right. Well, like number one, what I mentioned, I think it's important that you have some margins, like you, you need to be able to afford this, right? I think it's a mistake to think of PR as a clear and direct or or quick line to sales. Okay. And Mm -hmm. you would think, oh, that's so, why am I telling people this? Like, I want them to hire me. I do want you to hire me, right? Like, it's, but understanding where we play in that bigger picture. Public relations, because that whole thing I said in the beginning about earned media, right? You think about it, they say, how many times do you need to see an advertisement on TV before you buy the product? If you're even a good potential customer, right? You have so many layers to get through. It's like 10 times or something, right? Well, earned media, the idea is the process is just a little shorter, but it's still a process because people trust it more if you didn't pay for it, right? They trust the conversation more if it's vetted by the media outlet as interesting and newsworthy. So like there's a tremendous amount of value in that, but it doesn't take it from watching it 10 times to, Oh, one time. And now I'm going to like buy this thing tomorrow, or I see it in one gift mm-hmm. it tomorrow. No, it's still a process of getting into the consumer's mind to get them to make that trend, make that kind of decision, make decision and purchase. Right. And so You need to be in a place where you can make a long-term financial investment. Now, does that need to be 10 years? Not necessarily, but it shouldn't be painful financially to invest in your PR. It shouldn't be painful to give affiliates or the, excuse me, to give the publications through affiliate a 15 or 20% commission, right? If that is going to put you in the red, then maybe that's not the best strategy because there are other strategies where you can have sales maybe come a little quicker right we placed a client in it was in some sort of gift guide and she got a ton of clicks from it because we can you can see all of that those metrics like in skimlinks and share sale there were no sales from it that was not a, a like that was still a great win Right. Because mm-hmm. you had hundreds of people clicking on the product, learning about it, exploring it, thinking about it, saving the tab, going back in a month before the holidays. Made, right. So but it's under, being comfortable paying for all those clicks. Right. You kind of you have to believe in the process and that it is an investment of time and resources. And so I don't know what those numbers are for each of your listeners, because you have to remember, you're not just unless you're doing it yourself, you are paying like a publicist too like facilitate all of this for you. So you're paying for the tool, the affiliate tool to be listed. You're paying for the commissions if you get the clicks or the sales. You're paying for the publicist to navigate it all and put it together for you. So just think through the numbers and the budgets because if you can only do this a month or two months, you're hurting everybody because the publicist is doing a ton of work, doing a ton of research, doing all the pitches. Sometimes pitches land. I don't know eight, nine months later, right? So just think about that and say, okay, I'm ready to make this investment. I've done my homework. I trust this publicist. I see their results. They know what they're doing. If we don't have a win in October, it's not a result of their skill. It just didn't land. And November will be different. And like I said, I can't give your listeners a number because it's going to be different for all of them, but they know if they have the budget to pay for this and they know if If I don't, I've had conversations with people. It's funny. This wasn't a product-based client, but this was a service. And she said, oh, like I, if you get me one hit, then I'll make the money from the sales. I get the hit to pay the next month. And I said, no, I told her, I said, no, we're not working together. Not, I mean, she was lovely, but I just said, this is, that is not how you pay for this investment. You're not ready for it. And that's okay. That that doesn't mean you're never going to be ready. Invest more time in your business and your business growth and making a great product that people want or a great service that people need. And you will get to the growth and place where you can afford this service to get you to the next level.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. so. I love that you're educating clients and telling them that because as you were saying that, I'm almost like that's exactly what we tell clients about SEO. Like it's a long-term strategy. Don't expect to win that overnight, right? Like there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of legwork that needs to be done and a lot of facilitation to get everything set up so that you can earn. And it's not like a two-month thing, right? So right, I was then. like, it's literally the same thing. I'm not understanding SEO Yeah, too. It can't get stayed yeah. Right. Like you
1: have
0: to even keep going
1: when you have to still keep your SEO strategy moving. I mean, we we offer sometimes like white label SEO support and I have a person that has SEO. So I'm a little bit familiar with it, but it's similar any of these things. And you don't have to invest in all of them at once. And maybe it makes more sense to invest in the SEO strategy before the PR strategy or vice versa. We've had and then we have people that come to us for PR with SEO in mind. And they mm-hmm. say we want you to pitch us to places where, from your experience, you know that they give backlinks. Follow stuff, right? backlinks, yeah. not mm-hmm. do do follow backlinks. Not that I mean that's a whole other thing because what's fascinating about the media is I don't want to derail from affiliate, but with SEO, I would say the majority of media outlets are either SEO neutral, like they don't know anything about it, good or bad, or it's a no-follow. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're navigating this space with like a client that's very SEO savvy. And they're like, oh, I want to get my SEO links from press. It's like, can I do two for one? Right. (laughs) And I'm on the other end talking to these media people saying like, like we just had a placement for this client in particular. And the person was so excited because they're not SEO savvy. And they said, look, I like made the story to have the link. But the person copied the link from his Outlook. So it was inadvertently not a follow, like an appropriate SEO link. So then I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do I explain this to this guy? So then he fixed it. It was great. But my point is, it all takes time. And I hear you. And SEO is its own other beast. But the neat thing about PR is we do kind of like tiptoe in a lot of these pools because A lot of the roads do intersect with public relations and that is why PR is so confusing and you don't know who am I hiring and what am I getting. And that's why these conversations are so valuable to just listen and hear and better understand what to ask for when you have that conversation. Like what kind of PR do you do? Because Mm -hmm. that could mean like a dozen things. (laughs)
0: yeah no for sure and knowing what to do with it I think too right like if it's not the backlink or things like that like the fact that you were featured like where are you sharing that in your emails on your socials right like in your blog like all the other things that are going to help you too so there's no like I never believe in like the one hit one or like this is going to be the thing it's like no it's usually like an amalgamation of things that are going to help you to really win on that right so yeah (laughs) that's so true I'm sorry yeah. if I broke hearts today, but it's oh true. no! I met
1: really <laughs> a client when she had like been on the Today Show,
0: and yeah. she said,
1: yeah, I was on the Today Show, and then nothing happened. And she came to us because she wanted to be in trade publications because mm. to her she felt there would, that would move the needle more, right? So there is no perfect fit for everybody, and there is no just like over. There really isn't an overnight success. It doesn't happen. Um, and you're right. What do you do with the PR after you win? And we help guide our clients with that to kind of bring it full circle to like how we help. Like we, tr- we make sure if you're on TV that you get those clips and you have them in file formats that you could share. And we make sure their highlights not, not always not the full thing because we have to be careful uh, with fair mm-hmm. use. Um, but if you're in a digital publication, we create nice graphics for you so that you can promote it. So people aren't searching through the article for you because people might not want to leave LinkedIn or their social media platform to read the whole thing. Like we if, if you air on TV and then it's over, did it even happen? Right. It's like that, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, if you're, yeah. if you're on a space <laughs> show and no one's watching TV, then what's it good for? Right. So we want to help increase the longevity of what they can do with it and increase their relationship with their followers and their subscribers and whatever it is. And we're not a social media agency again, like what is PR because some public relations agencies do social media, but we work very closely with the social media teams in creating assets for them and Mm -hmm. giving them the assets so that all the press wins can live a lot longer than just the one article or the one podcast or the one TV placement. And so they could get more out of that win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that makes complete sense, right? So it's very specialized. I think it's very specialized. So yeah. Um, I'd love to know your opinion because you were saying obviously for the budget and everything like that. And so, you know, you need to know your budget. But what about DIYing your affiliate marketing sort of strategy?
1: So I think, you know, in a nutshell, I'm a, I am opposed to most DIY strategies um, I think you need to focus on your business you need to do your job and you need to do it well I also realize like money doesn't grow on trees and you want to just get a little traction so I think that it is fine if you take some time to learn how to get your brand or product on affiliate or maybe send some pitches or do that sort of thing. But I think to really have the momentum and traction that you would like to see over time, it's like DIYing your SEO. How long are you gonna write SEO friendly content for before you wake up and you say, I'm not doing my job anymore. I'm now an SEO specialist. I'll go open my SEO agency, right? So I just am wary of it because I think when you start a business, it's so easy to get distracted and to think you need these things. What you need is business development and like a good product or service, right? You need customers and you need to deliver something to them that's so great that they tell their friends and that other Mm -hmm. people need it, right? And you could ask a hundred business owners and they would give you a hundred different answers. I'm sure someone would say DIYing it is the way to go, but I just think in terms of a long-term strategy, it is a, it's a losing strategy. I don't think it's the way to go. Now, I used to manage all my social media. I know it's not um, affiliate. I used to do it all myself for years. You know, So I've, I've done it. I just think really in your head, it should be this. Look, I'm going to do this with the intention of firing myself from this job as soon as possible. Right? That's how you grow a business. Fire yourself from the tasks that you do. I learned mm-hmm. that. I heard that once in a presentation. I love that. And she was like, yeah. every quarter, make a list of what you do in your job and fire yourself from one of the tasks. Right? So All I'm saying is this, the first tasks you should fire yourself from are tasks that are really the expertise of other people versus like doing your job, like maybe let that linger a little longer, fire yourself from that next year. Right. Um, but those types of of daily tasks that are really not the service or product you provide as soon as you can get out, that's like, go focus on your work. That's, that's Mm -hmm. my real, like tried and true feeling, but I also know that's easier said than done. And I have been guilty of doing it myself. So I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, me too. But I think the way that you put it in that perspective, I'm like, the firing yourself, I'm like, I love that. And it's so oh true. God. We should all be firing ourselves from things like constantly. I know there's things that I know someone else can do better than me <laughs> I right. know so, that I shouldn't do. I wasn't,
1: I didn't say that first. I heard that as, yeah, some time, but you know, you hear something and you just never forget it. Yeah. And the idea of doing that quarterly I thought was so interesting. Um, and so I do. I do, though, the caveat to that, or kind of the counter to that, I think it is really smart to understand the tasks that you're hiring people for. So like, let's say you're big enough now that you don't have to fire yourself from the service. You're a big enough company. You never did SEO, but you got the money now and you want to invest in it. Or You never tried to DIY PR, um, but now you have the money for the retainer and you want to invest in it. I do think you'll make a smarter and better decision if you take a little time to understand the industry. Don't go into it totally blind, where you're like, "Well, I don't need to know PR; that's not my job." Well, you'll hire better and know more of what you need if you've listened to some pod, maybe even listened to some DIY PR advice or read some columns on it, so that you're hiring knowing what they actually do and the service they provide, so that you can. Make a more informed decision. I think that would be the balance to the advice of like not doing it yourself. You still want to know what they're doing for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so so many good things. I'm going to pivot a little bit because I would love to know for those that are trying to get into the PR space and want to grow their audience, what would you say are sort of like your top couple of tips? What are some things they should pay attention to or be thinking about?
1: You mean to get publicity?
0: Yes. Or even just to work with a PR agent, like what are some things that they should be thinking about? They want to dive into this space. So,
1: yeah. So I would say the most important thing you need, like if you have a um, a, a, like a digital storefront or something like that, you have products. So a couple of things to think about. I'm going to go all over the place here. But these are the things that go through my mind when we interview a potential client. Obviously, the margins to pay for it. Do you have a cool, unique founder story behind the brand that makes your product a little different or special compared to the next? Like your pair of sneakers different than the next. Every product, I don't care if it's a pen, can have a cool story behind it. Do you, and can you be very concise? Can you tell it in like two sentences? I don't want like a novel. Um, And or let's say you don't have a great story. Do you give back in some way? Do you give proceeds Mm. or profits to some cause or whatever? that, that is meaningful to you. Those are great ways to help increase your likelihood of winning and getting press. Um, do you have some sort of gift or special packaging available for the product for one of the products that you offer? You are much more likely to get selected and featured if I'm selling like this spot water brand, right? This isn't an endorsement, but like if I just, I want to be in a gift guide for like healthy moms or something, I don't know if I can, if I have this product available as a package of three with a bow on it, it feels more like a gift to the editor. And then you give back 10% of your proceeds to like moms with a health crisis, right? All mm-hmm. of that helps. And it's really the same product.
0: Yes. I can't do anything
1: to change the product. And then another thing to think about, you will be asked to send samples with no guarantee of coverage. Mm -hmm. So keep that, again, part of the investment, part of the cost. If it is painful to send the samples, financially painful, not physically painful, but I mean, you have to have time to go to the store, like, unless you have like a drop drop ship situation, like if you're the one packaging, like everything in your basement, you have to have the time. But if your product is very high-end or very expensive, That doesn't make a difference. The reporter is still not going to send it back to you. They're not going to like not ask for a sample and it doesn't guarantee coverage. Mm -hmm. So be ready to like, maybe if you have, like let's say you have a high-end like jewelry line or something, maybe you create like a much more modestly priced product that you could send to reporters. And you could say like, this gives you a feel for our quality, our craftsmanship, like this great entry level price point, like for a gift guide that maybe, but then if you have like a luxury gift guide, I don't know, maybe you have to send the nice high end product because Mm -hmm. these reporters are very used to getting all the things for free and they do Mm -hmm. not feel obligated to cover it just because you sent it to them because they get so much like there's, and you're competing with the big names and the big brands getting in these gift guides that have the money to send, 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 send. send. Like, um, And so that doesn't mean you have to be a big company or product to compete. But just like being an affiliate, you also need to send the samples to be competitive. Like we just mm-hmm. sent a sample to Southern Living today for one of our clients, right? I mean you have to. So it's on this big spreadsheet. Every time we get a sample request, we add it to it and say, you know, put a comment in it to give heads up to the client. That's just the way the game is played. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense because people want to get a feel for what they're going to be representing. Right. And even if you think your product's the best thing in the world, is it what they're looking for? Right. And I think a lot of times when we're business owners, we get really like in our box, you know what I mean? Like we're so in our heads about our business that we forget that like, you know, there's, there's just something specific. And so if it's not right now, it just might not be right now, not right now. Right. Um, so there's that mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking as you were saying that is like, this is even more proof in the pudding for the point that you made earlier about like, be in your business, make sure you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's. Like you need to be thinking about the full experience. And we talk about this all the time. It's like thinking about the full experience of your product, not just from the fact that people want to order it, but how does it show up when you deliver it? And what is the experience after? And like, you know, packaging matters and all of those things, right? And just shove it in a plastic mailer in a way it went kind of thing right like that might be okay but probably not for these types of things so yeah
1: well they say it's <laughs>
0: that us full they, cycle
1: they say to us like this is a gift guide the product needs to look like a gift right and you yes can you like oh yeah I didn't you know you like right that, but like we I don't want to I don't want to be specific I'm trying to think but I don't want to name names or anything like that but the idea is It can't just be a great product. Even if the Mm -hmm. product is awesome. And even if you would buy it and put a bow on it and wrap it up and do all these things, the idea is they want to say like, here's gifts, click on this link, give us our affiliate commission, buy the product through the link and give us a bigger affiliate commission so I can do better at my job. You know, like they're thinking all these things. And so it feels a little counterintuitive because like I said in the beginning, we're in earned media. We don't pay for this coverage. But they mm-hmm. justify it by saying, look, we only made money once it was purchased. We did not take any money to place you in this guide or in this digital publication. Right. So they can still call it earned media. But like I said, you can't even be considered if you can't give them the commission if the sale is made. So it's it's yeah. tough. It is really tough. And I would say this this transformation happened like in the post-COVID world. It was not like mm-hmm. this. I mean, I wasn't in PR, but all the people I know and talk to and have learned from and grown from, it was not this essential to be on affiliate in the pre-COVID world, but everything went digital in that time in such a significant way that it just really changed. Yeah, for sure. And also yes, like just, sure. you know, like being on Amazon as an affiliate, like you don't have to pay for these extra things. And there are, we get, we see lists and reporter queries like Amazon only. Amazon, like thousand star, five-star reviews only because they know that that product's more likely to sell and get clicks. And that's all they want to feature. That's why they do those gift guides, right? So don't knock like the obvious ones either and understand the importance of having those five-star reviews and lots and lots and lots of them, all things that make you more likely to get coverage.
0: Yes. Okay. Great point. Great point. Reviews are king.
1: (laughs) They really matter. They really matter.
0: They really do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh, Veronica, I feel like I could talk to you for forever because you have so many great ideas and insights. And I feel like there's probably been some really good aha moments for people who are listening to this that have been thinking about it. And they're sort of like, when's the right time? What, do I, what should I be doing? So very informative. Um, but I know that people may have questions about things or be interested in reaching out to you once they do hear this, because
1: people may be ready to do this. So where would the best place be for them to reach out to you if they do? Well, thank you for that. So you can send me an email, Ronica at ClearyStrategies.com. It's like Monica, but Ronica with an R. Um, and Cleary, oh, worst last name, autocorrects to clearly. So make sure oh. it doesn't autocorrect. <laughs> so it's Ronica at Cleary Strategies.com, Or you can go to ClearyStrategies.com and fill out a form. You can find me on all social media platforms at Ronica Cleary. And all of our agency platforms are connected through my account. So I'm pretty accessible. Um, and I want to help and be a resource for you. You know, I don't, I'm not here to, to do work for free, but I'm always happy to answer a question or to do like a free, you know, 30 minute call about your business and brand and answer some questions and give you some guidance. Because I feel as a business owner, and I know we're all talking here, not just about PR, we're all talking as business owners, right? Like your listeners, everybody. I have this philosophy in life that the world is small and life is long. So, you want to treat people right. You want to build a strong network. You don't always want to be focused on the bottom line because people, it comes full circle, right? Like, people have hired me that I met three years ago mm-hmm. because I was willing to do one of those calls. And I just think that's a great way to run your business as long as you're not cutting yourself so thin that you can't do your job or you're losing your focus on mental health and well being. But if you can fit that in, I think it's a really smart long term play that benefits others and benefits you, which is great. Like who, we don't have to apologize for that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here today, Veronica. And if you're listening to this, I hope you love this and we will catch you in the next episode. you enjoyed today's episode and it helped you learn more about starting a business growing a business and doing more on shopify if you love this episode please rate and review this podcast on itunes your ratings and comments will go a long way to ensuring more people can find this podcast and all of the helpful tips that come along with it and if you're looking for more awesome tips you can follow me on instagram at at sarah jansel, or my business at jansel and co Or if you're just starting out and looking to build a Shopify store, make sure you hop on over to my website at www.janselandco.com slash free guide for the latest tips on how to be successful. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.